The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good evening. Welcome. Nice to see you all. Not too many of us here this evening. That's great. We each like get a larger dose of the Dharma <laughs> in some kind of way. Maybe it'd be nice if we just, because there's not so many of us, uh, just to say names. And if you'd like, you could say anything else, like where you live, where you're from, your relationship to IMC, or anything else. And maybe we'll start here. And I live in Belmont, so I'm very lucky to be close to IMC because I love coming here. <laughs> Thank you, Martha. And Martha is our manager this evening. Thank you. Maybe we'll go here. Hi, I'm Kevin, and um, that was my going to bed alarm. I wasn't uh, <laughs> silenced my phone, but the alarm goes through the. Uh, Oh, you're staying up past your bedtime then to be here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you, Kevin. And here? I'm Janet. I live in the whole block. And, um, I've been here, but it was a long time ago, well before COVID. And I didn't really appreciate it at the time. But now I appreciate it a lot more. <laughs> That's great, great. Thank you. Other times, uh, Buddhism seems to be the best so far. Uh, Transcendental meditation, TM, that's not Buddhism, but or whatever it is. And uh, Nature Induction, Damiyama Nikityo. A lot of people did that in the 70s, I think, or 80s, maybe. And this is the most effective, relaxing thing. Great, great. Thank you, Janet. Maybe we'll go back here. My name's Jeff. <clears throat> and uh, I live in San Mateo. And I haven't been here in a few months. Um, so it's nice to be back. And it's so quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a field and it's beautiful. So thank you. Great. Thank you, Jeff. I agree. It's nice and quiet, right? When, especially when there aren't so many of us, right? It's really quiet. So, well, thank you. And over here, Charlene, and I live in St. Charles. Uh, sort of my first time here. I think I was here like ten years ago once, but I haven't been back much. So I will come back again. Great. Well, welcome back. Welcome back. We're glad you're here. Nice to meet you, Mimi. I'm back here. I'm sorry. What is it? Namita. was saying how nice it is to actually be here when you, when you can, those of us that uh, live nearby. So thank you, thank you all for coming. And uh, maybe I'll make an announcement that uh, next week there will not be anything on Monday night. So December 25, nothing. January 1, we will begin again, but we're going to start 15 minutes earlier. 
7.15 instead of 7.30. And we'll end at 8.30. And so it's um, going to be, we're going to shave 15 minutes off the guided meditation. I'm sorry, the silent meditation. So that meditation will be a little bit shorter. But if you want a longer meditation, you're welcome to come early and just start sitting a little bit earlier. So not here next week and a different time the week after that. So I guess this is the last time for a while that we're here at 7.30. You know, I don't know Thursday. Uh, Tanya teaches on Thursdays. Uh, Honestly, I don't know. You'd have to look at the calendar. I I thought there was, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, kind of like, you know, I'm in charge of Mondays, Tanya's in charge of Thursdays, Gil's in charge of Sundays. You know, we kind of are, like, independently kind of, like, making this place happen in some ways. So I, I want to uh, start my little talk tonight um, sharing this little story. <laughs> it's kind of like it's such a minor, mundane thing but it ended up having a big impact on me that even all these years later that I'm remembering. So this is when I was a retreatant at a retreat at our retreat center. Many of you know, right, there's a retreat center associated with this. This is the meditation center, and then we have a residential center in Santa Cruz. Those of you who don't know, it's about an hour away, hour south of here. And I was uh, sitting in a retreat, I have had had a lot of retreat practice. I've had a lot of retreats. Like, you know, I know the things to pack and, you know, what to bring. And I kind of like, you know, know how to get ready for a retreat. And I show up and everything's fine for the first day and the second day. And then the third, I think it was the third day, I ran out of dental floss. <laughs> it's such a mundane thing, right? But it's easy to do, right? It's hard to know how much is left in those little... uh you know, those little containers of dental floss. So at um, IRC, uh, they have what they call the yogi needs closet. A yogi is a generic term for a retreatant. And this is a place for if you forget something, because once you're in the retreat, you're in the retreat. You're not, you're in silence and you don't come and go. So it's not like you could pop over to the drugstore or grocery store to get something that just doesn't happen. So I went to this closet, thinking like, okay, well, I hope they have dental floss. And I looked in there, and I was amazed. Anything that you might need while on retreat was there. Freely offered. Tons of dental floss, toothbrushes, toothpaste, combs. They have a shampoo and soap and conditioner and all the showers. They had, I made a little list, kind of remind me, aspirin, deodorant, cough drops, tampons, like anything you might need, just lots and lots of it. It's just, you just go to the closet and take what you need. You don't ask for it. You don't tell anybody. You just take what you need. It's just freely offered. And I remember just feeling like so touched by this, like, I don't know, I felt like, wow, this is like some real generosity. But also with generosity was the sense of respect. Like people like to have these things when they're on retreat, but also this respect, this idea that um, I'm not going to steal everything and then go sell it on the black market and make a profit or, you know, something like this. Or, 
you know, do something nefarious with it or tamper with things in there. It was just this closet that you opened up. And in this, there was these shelves and drawers of like just everything you can imagine that you might need. And just the imagination of somebody who took the time to think like, okay, what might be needed? Tweezers. Okay, well, we'll make sure there's some tweezers there that people can borrow and, you know, hair dryers, you know, like all this kind of stuff. So this, this, uh, I immediately felt touched by the generosity, but interestingly, it made me feel like, oh, I want to be generous. I want other people to have this experience, this recognition of feeling cared for, feeling respected, feeling like, okay, yeah, you can be on retreat and, you know, have this sense of simplicity. Like our lives on retreat are very simple, but it doesn't mean that we don't take care of ourselves in some kind of way. So I just, there was a little Donna box, so I gave some donations, right? And it just, it touched me. I felt like there's this way that all these things were provided to support my practice. Like not my shopping practice, but my Dharma practice, right? To spend the time there on retreat in a way that would be fruitful and helpful instead of fretting about not having something that I wanted. So IRC and IMC, so this location and uh, our location in Santa Cruz, they are built on this whole notion of a field of generosity. Everything here and there is offered freely. What a beautiful thing. Even though I knew that and I had practiced in this, to be the recipient of it and with this dental floss, right? It was a little bit of a different way, like, oh yeah, this is what it feels like to just be able to accept what's being offered freely. And so there's this way in which this community here, it's not based on greed, it's not based on having to get something or shaming or fear of stinginess or anything like that. Instead, this meditation center, retreat center, is really offered with open hands. With this recognition of the power of a different way, a different economy. Economy that comes out of our heart, out of appreciation out of a wish, oh yeah, this is fantastic. I want to help make this grow and continue. I want to help build this different way of being in the world that others can be. And some of you may know that this whole notion of generosity, in the Buddhist tradition, it's kind of related to this idea of giving freely. That is like this way of giving without expecting anything in return. Not because we're supposed to, not because we feel obliged or we feel a bit of peer pressure or we feel like, uh, well, it's the tradition, I have to, you know, none of that. But out of goodwill, out of just wishing others to have benefit. Maybe out of compassion, wishing others to have a diminishment of not the suffering of not being able to floss one's teeth regularly. <laughs> I know I'm going on and on about this, but there's, you know, it's to the profound and to the very, very mundane. 
So just this wish for the sense of well-being for somebody else. And so this idea of like giving freely also means without this concern or this fear, because often when we hear this word generosity, we kind of like brace ourselves ready for the ask. Like, okay, there's going to be this talk about generosity that often there's like, so please give. But that's not kind of like the Buddhist way. The Buddhist way is just like, you know, just uh, to give if you feel inspired, if it supports your practice, if you feel you, like you want to contribute to the well-being of others and the well-being of yourself. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Then to, then to offer. Offer what makes sense to you, what feels like you can offer, whether that's time, love, recognition, money, skills, whatever it might be. Because there's this way in which often um, it's a little bit awkward for teachers to give a talk on generosity, but I thought I would because this time of year is when there's a lot of gift exchange. Not everybody participates in that, but there is, and so sometimes maybe we are uh, operating, doing a lot of generosity, and I want to talk a little bit more about it. But there's this way when we start to hear about generosity, not only are we afraid that there's going to be an ask, but we're often afraid of like feeling cornered, like like something's expected from us. I don't myself don't like that. I don't like when there's a certain expectation. So there's this way in which you often like shy away from these type of talk talk about generosity or maybe we even um, have these there's this kind of like this cultural um, or societal um, attitude sometimes like oh I should be more generous we have that feeling maybe or that idea nobody likes this sense of like oh I should be something that's another reason like we might not like this idea of generosity and maybe there's a sense of like oh if i if i'm start being generous then it's never going to end we all have this experience you donate to one organization and then forevermore <laughs> you are on their mailing list and uh, decades later you are still getting requests for more money so right there's this way in which we might really shy away from this uh, whole topic but one thing i want to talk about is, is this to build on this idea of things that are freely given is to recognize that sometimes we can view this idea of the notion of generosity as kind of like a transaction maybe like a business action you know like a fee for service type of thing or fee for uh, getting an object or something like this but the practice here, kind of like this Buddhist idea of generosity, is to explore for yourself your own experience. What is it like to give with no expectation of any return? What is it like to have like a different relationship 
to have, there's a, to kind of whole remove that idea of generosity. And there's just lots of ways you could practice this if you felt like you wanted to take this on as a practice. There's a number of organizations that help individuals or communities that need help. And so maybe there's a way you could give time, service, money to those organizations who maybe are helping others. And most likely you will not be the beneficiary of what happens to those other other individuals that are being supported by these organizations. Soup kitchens, places that support environmental efforts or supporting, um, like in kind of more impoverished uh, communities and with uh, agricultural or farm animals or, you know, these types of things. What is it like to just give for the sake of giving? Even if you weren't, don't get a tax benefit from it or nothing happens. Because this is tied into that recognition that, of course, the actions that we do affects our mind and heart. Of course it does. Like, how could it not? Our bodies and minds and hearts and spirit, all this kind of stuff, are um, connected. Like, we're just one being. We're not like these disconnected parts. So there's this way in which this, kind of like this movement of generosity is a way in which there's a, can be this sense of abundance, actually. In that moment when we're giving, there's this feeling of maybe even wealth. Like, oh, here, here, this is, here, I'm offering this. This is something that I can give freely. And in that moment, there's this feel, there is not a feeling of lack, or there is not a feeling of insufficiency. If so, then that's a little bit different than the generosity I'm pointing to. I'm pointing to that which is giving freely. And the Buddha pointed to this as well. It was part of his um, teachings that he often gave to people in the very beginning when, of their practice. It's just this movement of the heart is to kind of like let go, this movement of, okay, to give freely what one can. So in the same way, when we have this feeling of abundance, again, maybe like a mundane example is if we have a garden that's making like way too many zucchini, then we'd like to start giving zucchini to all our neighbors or tomatoes or uh, oranges on the tree or lemons or something like this. You know, here in California, we have plenty of us have gardens and trees that have this and I've been the recipient of many things for many people's gardens. And it's just natural. Like, oh, here, I have all of this. Here, take some. Lots of times people bring things here to IMC and leave them just for whomever would like. So in the same way, when there's a sense of abundance, it's easy to be generous. It's fascinating. It works the other way around also. Being generous gives a sense of abundance. This turns out to be true for so many of these practices. We tend to think it only works in one direction, abundance, generosity, but it turns out there's a relationship, and so it works in the other direction too. So this giving freely, often at that moment, there's a moment of uh, uplift and a moment of 
feeling good and sense of well-being and maybe this sense of this wealth or having enough. There's also this way, if when we're being generous, we can pay attention to, like, what is the experience? Like, at that moment when the generosity, maybe in the moment when we think about it and then again when we're actually doing it, there's this way that being generous can like loosen up this tightness we have around this self sense, this sense of self. It's kind of like a vague term. Can loosen up this sense of like, okay, I'm. He- there's a center here, this substantial core to which everything is happening. And I have to protect it and make it look good and uh, bolster it up, make it even look better than it, I actually think it might be or something like this. We have this self that we're trying to really protect and polish and shine up and these types of things. But when we are being generous, that's not happening. There's this way in which when there's this strong sense of self, there's then... Everything out there gets related to this, so that's either mine or not mine, or um, I like that or I don't like that. Everything gets reflected, you know, has uh, regarding this self. But when there's generosity, there's a sense of, oh, here, maybe it's just like sharing, and this kind of like this loosening up of this tightness, this constriction, this ball that we often have the sense of in the center is the way to more freedom. Because if we were to really look at our lives, all the difficulties, all the anxiety, the restlessness, the stress, the suffering, it's all related to this tight little sense of self that uh, we imagine is there. You can examine and see if that's true for yourself. And so much about practice, if not all of practice, is about learning to see, oh, that self, like, what is it? Where is it? How is it? And you'll discover that it's actually not there. It's just a, it's a sense that we have. It's a notion that we have. But you absolutely do not need to take my word for it. This is not a belief you need to adopt. This is not, I know when I first heard these teachings, I thought, oh, that's weird. Whatever. I like these other teachings, and so I'm just going to be the person who likes these teachings, but doesn't like that whole not-self stuff. That's perfectly fine. You can put it to the side. I'm just kind of like dropping a seed and maybe an encouragement to sometimes like kind of like look like oh where is that self that's trying to look good feel good be protected this can be a really powerful practice to sometimes just have this gentle inquiry well where is it because we have this sense of self and there's all these uh, interactions that we think you're having in relation to this But actually what's happening is just a bunch of 
experiences. That's all. Turns out. But you don't have to take my word for it. But generosity, when we're generous, there's a less of a sense of me and mine. And there's less of a sense of uh, this self-absorption, uh, self-centeredness that we often can fall into. Like we have to get enough or we have to be enough somehow. But instead, when there's generous, there's generosity, there's a sense of kindness, a sense of care for others, maybe for ourselves, maybe because we recognize oh, that little bit of freedom, that little bit of looseness that happens when we're being generous, feels good. It's a, it can be like a, a, a breath of fresh air, like, ah, it's a little bit of unburdening. So, but of course, we have to pay attention, right, to how this generosity, how we're practicing it, right? I'm pointing to the generosity that is like freely given, I have heard teachings that says, like, if it doesn't hurt, it's not real generosity. I'm like, oh, that's not what I'm pointing to here. I'm pointing to the type of generosity that's an uplift in the heart. So much about practice can be about this uplift in the heart that's needed just to make life flow a little bit easier. And when life flows a little bit easier, then we can just naturally kind of do a certain amount of letting go, whether that's with physical objects or time. There's a way in which it's just easier to let go. And this whole practice is about letting go. There's so many things that we're holding on to that we don't even know we're holding on to. Most of them are notions or ideas or beliefs. But this movement is all about letting go. So of course generosity is part of the practice. But there's a way also that practicing generosity can be an opportunity to learn a little bit about ourselves. Just to see like, oh yeah, how does it feel for me when I'm being generous? And is it easier or is it different if to be generous with my time versus generous with money? Like, is money easy, but I don't want people to take my time? Or maybe time is easy, but I'm not going to give money? Whatever it is, is there something that we can learn about ourselves and maybe have a little bit of an inquiry? What are some of my beliefs about what's important? What are some of my beliefs about what's valuable and what's precious? Or what I um, feel like I don't have enough of? Or what, I, what do I feel like I have too much of and can um, freely give away? So this way in which the practice of generosity not only can allow this uplift of the heart, but it can help us maybe see a part of ourselves that we wouldn't see or be sensitive to unless we were practicing generosity. So... Maybe there's some questions that we can ask ourselves when we're being generous, when we're asking some generosity as a way to support greater understanding, as a way to support greater freedom and ease in our life. One question is, is what I'm doing appropriate or the best way how to be generous at this moment? 
for example, maybe the question is like, am, do I, am I aware of how, let's see, of what the most generous act might be or the most appropriate? An example is maybe there's a way in which um, we might be listening to somebody and we think, okay, this is a generous act of my time, my attention. I'm going to listen to them, give them all my attention. But then they are complaining and complaining and complaining and complaining about a person, a situation, an institution, right? There's no end to things that we can, humans can complain about. And then we start to notice as this complaining continues in this monologue, they're getting a little bit more agitated or heated and we're getting a little more agitated and heated. So maybe being generous and just listening to them is not the wisest thing to do. Is there a way that we might realize, oh, that um, there's a time in which we, maybe it's appropriate to interrupt in a way that's not rude, that's respectful, or, and this takes skill and is not easy to do. But maybe there's a way we can think, oh, it's so uncomfortable to say anything when somebody is complaining. That we just then say, well, I'm being generous, I'm just going to listen to them. I'll just say something that I often do. I um, will often change the subject. Not often, I almost always change the subject. Just to something completely different. And often that's just seamlessly we go a different direction and it turns out to be okay. The skill is finding what subject can seamlessly be used that seems like, you know, appropriate for that way and and uh, is not, you know, disrespectful for the person. For me, how I, often I find that I try to just like open up any ideas. I, I try not to like find an idea. I try to open up and just relax. And then often an idea comes up. Oh, yeah. And then I find a way in which to kind of like direct the conversation another way. With maybe it's my body language too. Sometimes doing you know maybe not maybe not as obvious as looking at one's watch, but shifting one's uh, body posture and you know people often can read. Uh, the bodily language that we're doing. So I just offer that as maybe that's one way in which what we think is being generous turns out not to be helpful for either them or for us. And so another question we might ask when we are being generous is just to tune into how does it feel being generous in the body and the mind? Like literally, is there a sense of openness in the heart, in the chest? Is there a sense of in the belly, maybe there's a little bit of relaxation or warmth? Maybe there's a little bit of lightness, maybe it doesn't feel quite as heavy, like the shoulders somehow feel a little bit less, like the load they're carrying is less and somehow. Or maybe there's this non-sentimental loving kindness, this real well-wishing, this sense of warmth and kind of radiance, like, may you be happy. Like, may this, my act of generosity support you and your practice and your life and your family and others that you meet. Or 
maybe is there this feeling of depletion or a sense of weakness? Like, okay, I have to give this because it's expected. Or fear, like, oh, what's going to happen? What are they going to think if I don't give? And then, you know, that's kind of like more of a tightness or a constriction. Or maybe we have a feeling of anger or confusion or maybe there's a way in which it just doesn't quite feel right. I would say kind of like the Buddhist generosity is to be giving freely in a way that there's a sense of openness and uplift that's accompanied. But often it's subtle. And so we might have to like just tune into the bodily experience. And so when we're being generous from this act of generosity, another question we could ask ourselves is like, what's happening in the mind? We talked about feeling in the body and in the mind. What are the beliefs? What are the views? What are the thought patterns, the stories that are accompanying this? Do we have... Can we recognize that when we have these wishful thoughts in relation to be generosity? For example, we might have this idea, well, in exchange for this, I'm kind of expecting, you know, X, Y, and Z. I'm expecting that you'll do this or that you'll stop doing that or, you know, that you will understand the message that's underlying this gift that I'm giving or something like that. So what are some of the thoughts that we have? Or maybe we have this um, feeling like, okay, I'm being generous, but you know, I'm really doing this hesitantly because I have this fear that then you'll just start asking me for more and more and more, and you know, you'll deplete me, and I'll have to say no, and that feels uncomfortable. So I don't even want to be in that situation. So I'm not even going to give in the first place. Right? These are all human things that we experience. But what can we learn about ourselves? And what are some of the stories or beliefs or views that we've inherited from our family, from our culture, our society, or experiences that we've had? And some of them maybe are wise and supportive, and maybe some of them aren't. Maybe some of them are obstacles for our to be able to give freely. So this idea of generosity, how it can be such an important part of practice. And I also wanted to kind of like name some of the ways in which this can be an awkward topic to talk about, how kind of like there's in our society, there's often a um, hesitation around to talk about it or even to be generous. I read an article about recently how um, more and more there's, when you do a transaction at a restaurant or a store or something, I guess mostly at restaurants or eating establishments, there's this uh, way, would you like to leave a tip? Or like the tip is already put in, I've seen this too at a place that I've sometimes go, like they already put in the tip and then you have to make an extra effort if you want to change, if you want less or more or none. So like, so some people are being less and less generous because they're starting to feel like, yeah, this is being expected of me, so now that I'm expected, I don't want to do it. So what are some of the thoughts that we have when we're being generous? And can we be kind to ourselves when we discover, oh yeah, maybe I do feel stingy in these 
areas, and but not in that area. I think just understanding ourselves is the beginning of maybe finding more freedom. If we don't recognize this about ourselves, then we just go on following our patterns. And maybe there's a way in which we can stretch ourselves or honor ourselves in a way that feels uh, a way to support our practice, support a sense of well-being, support a sense of abundance. So generosity is one of the Buddhist practices, a key practice, and might be happening a lot this time of year. So with that, I'll uh, open it up for some questions or comments. Anybody have something they'd like to say? We would like for you to use. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think of Taylor Swift. She's like screaming like this. Rock stars seem like this. You can't see them. Into the top, into the top. Of okay, that. thank you. Well, but when I go to Starbucks, they want a tip. I mean, it's always the choice, and they make so much money. I don't feel any obligation. To, and how often I go to Starbucks, it's a lot. I don't feel obligated. I mean, I do and I don't. I feel a little guilty if I don't leave a tip. But at the same time, they're rolling in dough. Why should I tip them? It doesn't go to the server. If it went to the server, that would be okay. But we don't know where it goes. So, and you're asking me this question? <laughs> sure. Anybody who'd like to answer? No, I think the question is just for you to say. Oh, yeah, I don't. This makes me feel uncomfortable. Oh, it does. Okay. There you true. are. It makes well, you feel uncomfortable. But, but what I like to do is, if I see somebody sitting alone, I ask if if I could join them, because. That that really makes me feel good, <laughs> and they feel good as well. They, and they're surprised because these days, whenever I go to a coffee place or restaurant, uh, well, casual restaurant, people are sitting alone, and it, I, well, I don't feel obligated. I just want to to chat with them, and sometimes they say no, thank you, so that's okay. Or they're reading a book. I interrupt them, and they want to talk. <laughs> you just don't know. But that kind of generosity, I really like. To, yeah, to, yeah. It's nice that you ask and you let them say yes or no. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's and it's not nice. an insult if if that's yeah, okay. You know, maybe they you know for whatever reason that's why we don't know why the people are there. So. Very nice. Yeah, I like this. I didn't ask a question. I just told you something. So. That's all right. That's all right. Sorry. Thank you, Janet. Yeah. Anybody else have a comment or a question? I just Googled Starbucks tips go to employees. If I could just give you the mic, please, because then people can hear online. Thank you so much. I just did a quick search. Do Starbucks tips go to employees? Oh. And the answer I got was yes. The yes, answer is yes. Yes. But it's in there. It's, well, I'd rather give them a, a dollar bill rather than... Feel free. <laughs> no, I don't want to but they're saying that they get a fluffy increase in their paychecks based on the tips. Ah, okay, so... Um, that was just one quick search. Well, just, no, that's just, interesting just, to know because I kind of assume because I'm tapping on the little machine there that it's who knows where it's going. That's good to know. But I still think I'd rather give them cash, so... Yeah, but this idea of like giving freely, so free, you know, not because it's demanded of us or we're feeling coerced or, uh, you know, exp- or the expectations. 
And just to feel like, okay, well, how does it feel when you're being like giving freely? I think that's a, a way that we can fold this into just this recognition that, you know, the, our actions, the way that we're showing up in the world, of course it affects our inner life, how we feel and what's going on in our hearts and minds. Does anybody else have a comment or? Um, I remember first learning that at IRC that the retreats were offered on a donation basis. And I thought, oh my gosh, how is that going to work? And I remember hearing that people said to Gail, oh, you know, that might work in Southeast Asia, but it's not going to work here. And somehow it does. (laughs) And somehow it does, that's right. Mm-hmm. It's quite something. It's a beautiful thing. And there's uh, more and more retreat centers that are, have been inspired by IRC. They're trying to shift to uh, Donna to all donation based. So, yeah, we'll see. Ho- hopefully, it'll work. It'll be contagious. Oh, Kevin, do you? <laughs> Martha, as soon as you put it down, right? That's how it works. <laughs> um, I appreciate the advice on um, paying attention to how it feels in your body and um, also for changing the topic because, um, yeah, some, some people like to go on and on, so. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Okay, well, I'm wishing you all a wonderful holiday season. And I'll see, I'll be here next on New Year's Day. Just a reminder that there's there's nothing next Monday week from today. So, thank you. And uh, safe travels home. I don't know if it's still raining, but uh, if it is, travel safely. I was so happy that it was raining today. It was like, oh, yay, rain. <laughs> we need this. So thank you. Thank you. You're welcome.